5: Welcome to A Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes. And once again, I'm delighted to be joined by Jim Orr. Jim is a regular Friday contributor. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing, Jim? Thank you, Paul. Excellent. That's now, apart from the football, everybody asks, how are you doing? Oh, I'm great, apart from what's happening at Celtic Park. And once again, we've got another defeat to discuss from last night. And for 23 minutes, it all looked as though you know, things were, were great. I mean, we, we looked as though we were actually playing like a bit of a team for 23 minutes, Jim. Tell me your overall view of the 4-2 defeat.
6: Well, I think it's the first time I've spoken to you since last Friday. So we've been to uh, Ross County last Sunday. Shocking. Shocking. Yep. There's a team, Ross County, coming to Celtic Park to play against the champions uh, with all their international players. Uh, they've got a bunch of journeymen Team earning a few hundred quid a week Not winning a game since September Massive, massive underdogs They've got no right to beat Celtic But they do and how did they beat Celtic? Because they had a game plan They had some structure They had a bit of passion Aggression Confidence in what they were doing Give Celtic the ball Let them play past the parcel Let them put high balls into the box They can cope with that They nick a goal They look really good They get a set piece We are hopeless at set pieces If they won 2-0 they no right to win that game, but they won it 2-0. Last night, we had no right to win that game last night. So if we didn't win it, then that's okay, that's fair enough. But to be two goals up and to lose 4-2, shocking. Absolutely mm-hmm. shocking. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is completely bizarre. And the fact that the manager is still there. And it's nothing to do with individual personalities. So I think if we call him the manager and we we'll call the chief executive, the chief executive, it's just shocking what's going on. Because I think people... I think when we spoke last week, I talked about the Hibs game was my particular point where I tipped yep. into I'm going to uh, not stick, I'm going to twist. And I think if we look back in the season, various people ha- have had a tipping point where you feel, if it was a Ferenice-Varros game, and I tried to be objective over the course of the season. Ferenice-Varros, we played really well when we're dead unlucky. These things happen. You sacked the manager, you no, know, I think we stick with that one. The Glasgow derby, no shots and goal, shocking, do we sack the manager then? Half our team is out. Eddie's got COVID. Ryan Christie, our best player, is out for the game. Two other guys with uh, COVID issues. Two of our best players are injured. Do you sack the manager then? No, that'd be unfair. Aberdeen, which I know is your tipping point, uh, I thought it was a kind of gutsy second-half performance. Uh, some silly mistakes by three or four players. Could have stopped that last goal getting in mm-hmm. uh, before we got the whole three points. Should we sack them then? You said, yeah. I said, hmm, I wouldn't believe it. But unless their performances get better and if we drop any more points, I think at that point, that's my tipping point. Mm-hmm. And that game was the tipping point. In terms of team selection, it was shocking. In terms of performance, it was shocking. In terms of the comments after the game, it was shocking. And at that point, the manager had to go. And at that point, I think I no longer blame the manager. I blame the chief executive. Because basically... It's on his watch that we've still got the same manager. The manager should have been taken out the equation. At that point in time, the assistant manager gets the gig on an interim basis until the chief executive finds someone he likes or thinks is good enough to get the job. That's what should have happened. So the defeat of Sparta, that's on the chief executive. Ross County, chief executive. Last night, chief executive. And he's going to blow this. He's going to blow this because when you look at what's coming up next, next next two weekends are big, big weekends. Yeah. Uh, home game against St. Johnson coming up got uh, Colmarnock, I think, the following week. Both at home. Our league readers are going to Ross County. So let's see how they perform against Ross County. Let's see what the game plan is from Ross County's point of view. And I think they also go to Tanadise, uh, next Sunday. So there's two games that I don't think will drop points, but you never know. If we take care of our two home games, you never know. But the confidence is at an all-time low. An absolute all-time low. And uh, Team selections, formations, tactics, motivation, structure, the whole thing. The whole thing is just shocking.
5: Now, you you mentioned there that if a decision was made, and I agree with you, a decision should have been made. I mean, even Chris Sutton, who we know is Neil Lennon's close friend, um, said at the very beginning of the game last night that he was lucky to still be in a job. And I think most people that are tuning into the Axon bulletins agree with that, Jim. Uh, there mm-hmm. has been various points, like you say, different points in the season where people have had their tipping point. And I, I must admit, you were more uh, patient than most because every week I was asking you the question. And what you were doing, Jim, is you were giving me a very balanced response as to why he should keep his job. But then even, you know, people like yourself who were looking for the ultimate balance came to a point where you think, I can't defend this anymore.
6: I think you have to be objective. You can't be subjective, with it's not fair. You have to take all emotion out of the whole thing. And that's why, if you, if you call it, it's if, 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 you, if you name him as Neil Lennon, then straight away you've got and emotional issue straight away he's the manager and you pick any other manager from the start of the season to now four months of poor poor performances poor poor results uh, any other manager would have been gone by now mm-hmm. and I don't understand why he's still there I don't understand what the chief executive's game plan is for this don't understand we have all the stuff about, we'll give we'll give Lenny personal stuff we'll give Lenny the cup final no you don't give Lenny the cup final absolutely not this league is still there to be won.
5: No, you're right. You're absolutely games right.
6: We're only five points behind. And you know what? See if we win the league, the last four months will be forgotten. Completely forgotten. We're only five points behind, in theory. But the way we're playing this now, there's no guarantee we'll, get those five, we'll win those games in hand to get the five points back. But we need to do something now to give the whole place a boost. Mm-hmm. And we're hearing the same comments from the manager game after game after game. game no, you're two right. After 20 minutes, and I watched the game with my son, and I said, if we get out of this not losing any more than 5-2, I'll be happy. And I said that at 2-0. Because you know, as soon as they scored, you knew what was going to happen next. Because I've seen it too many times before. Leo was exactly the same. But the difference between Leo was Leo didn't score until about 15, 20 minutes in the second half. So they didn't have the time to score all the goals. And I know we did really well in the first 20 minutes. and that's because we've got good individual players. Mm-hmm. Those good individual players did some good individual stuff. In terms of structure and balance, and we're making loads of individual mistakes, silly mistakes. The free ticket, the goal, you know, ridiculous challenge.
5: Yeah. yeah, you're right.
6: Farkas, you know, why would you take one step to the side? Why did you do that? Why just you keep things dead simple? Don't overthink things. Maybe people are trying too hard. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It all stems from the manager at the end of the day. And as I said, try and keep the kind of personal stuff out of it, keep the emotion out of it. Uh, look at the manager's record from August to November. Look at the four months and see where we are. We've got a game on Sunday that we look there. St Johnson haven't lost a game in the last six games. They've got nine points over those six games. We've got eight points. They're in better form than us. So Sunday's not a given. No games are a given. And until we get to a place where we're dead confident, then we're playing it's just game to game. And the next point that we drop, I think that's it finished. And that's why we need
5: change. You're absolutely right. And now, one point you you, you made there was the same things being um, kind of rolled out time after time after every bad performance. Now, last night, I think, was potentially the, the worst. I mean, I find it insulting for Neil Lennon to come out and say that what we saw was a team playing to a very high standard because that was his words that's not a high standard, Jim. I'm sorry, that's not a very high standard. I mean, you can then say, yeah, as a team, he might have meant as a team, and it was individual errors. That doesn't wash with me. I mean, you look at some of the basic errors. Like you said, you mentioned Barkas, and we're going to have to speak about the goalie situation from where we were to where we are now. And we're £4.5 million pound down. It's one of the worst bits of business I can remember in recent times at Celtic, Jim. But for Neil Lennon to come out and say that that was a very high standard, I find preposterous.
6: I think we're playing against a very good team. So if you try and match them for bits of the game, then that's fair enough. I don't think, as I said before, we do no expectations to win the game last night. But if you're two goals up after 20 minutes, then you maybe change things. You maybe have a wee think about, let's not do it until the next 10, 15 minutes. And that's if we're watching the game again, with my son. I said, we'll definitely lose at least one goal before the half hours are over. And that's what we do. I can see that coming. You can see that coming. Most Celtic fans can see that coming, but the management will be able to see that coming. If you have if you're two goals up, don't do anything silly for the next 15, 20 minutes. Try and get to half-time. All the usual kind of stuff you should be wanting to do. But what do you do to try and achieve that? I don't know. We just kept going the same way. And to be fair, the first 20 minutes, my line were all over the place. Mm-hmm. You know, they, 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 were, they, they certainly helped with the first two goals. I we could have scored another one or two because they were all over the place. But once yeah. they get their goal, as far as I was concerned, that was that was that was the game finished. And it was just trying to keep the score down. And I know the goalkeeper made a couple of good saves in the second half. But once they went three two up, I think they felt that, that's that's done that the match is won. Uh but it just it's just the lack of, of not doing anything different.
7: Mm-hmm.
6: And you shouldn't lose four two if you're if you if your two goals up. And if you do do that, then you have to ask serious questions. It's not a good thing, it's a bad thing.
5: What's happened here is uh, on a daily basis there was a, a variety of subjects and topics being discussed on a Celtic State of Mind's bulletin, Jim. Over the last few weeks, absolutely influenced by what's happening on the park, we seem to be talking about poor performances, poor coaching and management and poor leadership from the board, as well as poor engagement. And you've mentioned the CEO. Um, now, the other day there, there was a suggestion that why not get uh, or invite, why not invite Peter Lowell for an interview? Uh, on a Celtic state of mind. Now, I can confirm that the first time I invited uh, Peter Lowell for an interview was in March 2019. And I I will be taking up that mantle. I will be trying to get Peter Lowell on the show. I doubt very much that it will be a live broadcast. But what I'm hoping to do, Jim, is I'm hoping to interview him so that we can play that interview as soon as the first day of our fundraiser on the 19th of December finishes. It will premiere on YouTube. But obviously we need to try and get an agreement. So what I would like to do, and and this is because uh, yesterday, uh, two days ago, there was a pledge uh, from one of our viewers and and they pledged that they would pay a £1,000 to one of the chosen charities or the collection of charities that we have, should Peter Law will agree. So that that was to add a wee bit of kind of like, um, you know, turn the, the screw a wee bit on the situation. Now, unbelievably, the person in question paid the £1,000 anyway into the account, Jim. So regardless of whether or not Peter Lowell comes onto a Celtic state of mind, the £1,000 is going to charity. So that's a brilliant, uh, that's that's a superb charitable um, donation from that individual. And yesterday when we checked the total, it's sitting at £2,500, which is superb. So thanks everybody for getting involved. And the link will be underneath the video on all the platforms today. But there was another... Uh, development on that yesterday Jim so you'll understand there's a lot of people talking online about getting a refund for what they lost out on last season and I've seen a lot of talk about that You know, actually voting with their feet and uh, someone who is um, normally uh, part of the corporate hospitality at Celtic Park it's the same situation for them so there's a vast amount of cash sitting that could be reclaimed or it goes towards next season and this particular company we're going to put it towards next season hopefully, whenever we get back in. Uh, this season it would be. But they've actually got in touch and said that they will also throw their nine grand into the pot should Peter Lo- Peter Lowell um, agree to this interview. So we've got 10000 quid riding mm-hmm. on Peter Lowell speaking to a Celtic state of mind, and that will all go to charity. I mean, how amazing is that? Great
6: okay, stuff, Paul. Well done.
5: Superb. So I would love I to speak... We
6: also mentioned the, the refunds from last year. Uh, I was going to leave the refund, basically. But what happened, of the sequence of events that happened there, I think it was a Monday that they announced officially that that was a league finished and that Celtic were the champions.
7: Mm-hmm.
6: And then the following day, the SFA announced that they were not going to take any further action on the Resolution 12 stuff. And that reminded me just how much the chief executive had let the Celtic fans down over, over Resolution 12. Yep. And I thought, I'll, tell you what I'll do I'll take my refund. And I'll contact the Resolution 12 guys and I'll say, see if you're going to take any legal action, you can have my refund, guys. For I contacted somebody who knew the Resolution 12 guys and I contacted them and said, I'm going to get a refund here so, and, you're, and, you're, and you're quite welcome to it. Because I think the Chief Executive has let the Celtic fans down since 2012. Mm-hmm. Uh, shocking, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, so, so that's that. And uh, the other thing uh, that I'm dead annoyed about is that nothing's been said about this year's season ticket refund mm-hmm. I can't believe that you and I spent £600 as well as another 54,000 people some of them have multiple season tickets in their family spending one, two, three grand we have to get something back out of that you're not going to charge 600 quid to watch some games on some sort of very uh, unreliable streams this mm-hmm. year
5: mm-hmm.
6: so what do you do about it? and I've heard nothing I got an email about two years ago. Did you get email two years ago?
5: I've not checked, Jim.
6: No, check your emails, right? This is from this is from Celtic this morning, and let me read you what you say. Talk about <clears throat> lack of self awareness, right? It's coming from the Celtic store. Where supporters support this is the headline there, right? With Christmas jumper day, December eleventh fast approaching, shop online to find a selection of official Celtic Christmas jumpers available now in a wide range of sizes. Better yet, your special Celtic reindeer and polar bear jumpers are available in matching junior sizes. Perfect to kit out the whole family this Christmas. So there's lack of awareness. There's engagement with fans. Tell us about a refund on my £600, please. I'd like to know, because I'm in a fortunate position and possibly you are just now.
3: It's the Marketers Report. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
6: That you could afford to pay that six hundred pounds. Loads of people couldn't, but they did. Loads of people have lost their jobs in this pandemic. They (laughs) can they, they really can't afford that. So tell me what your plans are. And what I said to one of my mates a few months ago was basically that we knew pretty early there would be no fans coming back to the games. So tell us what's going to happen, Celtic. And what I'd have done, and if I can think of this, and I'm not the, uh, uh, the most intelligent guy in the world, but what I'd have done is basically said to the fans, you know what? We'll give you half of it back. We'll give you 300 quid back, but we'll give you it against the next 2 years' season tickets.
7: Mm-hmm.
6: We'll give you 150 off next year's and 150 off the following years. And that'll hoot you in then. That'll keep you going next year. Because next year's season tickets are going to be decimated for a couple of reasons, I think. But if they did that, you would think, well, that's okay. That's fair enough. I'm getting a discount next year, 150. A discount the following year, 150. The 600 we paid this year covers about 20 matches-ish. So that's roughly 30 quid a match. Mm-hmm. If they half of that back, that's roughly 15 quid a match what they could have then done is put all the games in pay-per-view and charge 16 quid for other guys. And if you get 50,000 doing that, that would make up for giving us a 300 pound credit. Right? If I can think of that, I I can't think of that, because you know what, we're paying a chief executive 3.5 million pound a year. And we get emails like that this morning that can get a Christmas jumper next week. After the shambles last night, after the shambles for the last few weeks, after being told that they're self-entitled and all this kind of nonsense, Unacceptable, and the only thing—the only way things will change—and I've had a chat with you before about this—is it's all down the pound notes. Mm-hmm. they are in for a massive shock next season in terms of season tickets because, as I've brought people before on the podcast, this is the season of the ten. Now, whether we win the ten or whether we don't win the ten, it's the season of the ten, and that's why we've sold the tickets out, and that's why they're waiting list. Uh, next season, the season of the eleven or season zero. I think they'll find it really difficult to shift season tickets next year. And I think, just guessing, obviously, you could take 10,000 off of that 54,000, they'll leave you 44,000. And if they continue doing what they're doing just now, I'm one of the guys who's really thinking hard about next season. I'm kind of 50-50 on a season ticket next year because of how I've been treated just now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they like idiots just now. And that's all assuming that fans are back in the games. Because if fans are not back in the games, they'll be wiped out, they'll be decimated. they are be looking to get 5,000 next year. Because we are not going to do this again. We're certainly not going to give them £600. No. We watch games on TV. That's never going to happen again. And I feel really, really sorry for all these guys, all these families who can ill afford to do that, but are still doing it. And they're maybe paying one, two, three grand out because of four or five season tickets. Where's the communication? Where's the, we'll look after you guys? I know. You know? Where is it? It's non-existent. And unless you vote with your pound notes, they're not going to bother and I've had to you before about the whites and the Kelly's and all these kind of guys. And you can shout to your blue or a different colour in the face. They're not interested. And we've had a couple of protests in the last couple of weeks or the last week. The banner at Celtic Park, ideal. That's, that's, a, that's a good thing to do. You go up there, a few guys socially distance. You put your point across. You put out a statement. It goes in social media. It goes in the mainstream media. Job done. You've done your point. Will things change? Of course they won't change. Then you had last Sunday where people say, let's go to Celtic Park and voice of concerns. And you know that's going to end in tears. Mm-hmm. You know that's going to end in tears because it's disorganized and it's emotional and it's knee jerk stuff. And if it was 200 or 300 or 400 people, they're only as strong as the weakest person that turns up there. So only is one idiot to either physically abuse a policeman or verbally abuse a policeman or damage some property and everyone will be tarred with the same brush. So that was not, I mean, I can understand people want to vent, and that's where you go to vent. But if you do things like that that are disorganized, it's going to end in tears. And what I'd be looking for just now is people who do have a voice, because we have a supporters affiliation. is it still called yeah. that? Yes. So those are, those are groups who, who stand for a number of supporters and they have a named individual, I'm assuming, who's head of that group. Mm-hmm. Maybe I've missed a memo. I haven't heard anything from anyone to say that were are not happy with us. So if the people who are there to make a difference say nothing, what chance do you have? I know there's a, a, there's a Celtic Trust meeting tomorrow. There's a Zoom meeting on tomorrow. So maybe yeah. something might be of that. And you've got the AGM coming up soon. You've got the Resolution 12 guys who've done a phenomenal job, and you are still clipping away at it. Chip, chip, chip and all that stuff will be sorted out someday it definitely will be sorted out someday and there'll be a lot of people within Celtic they part of a bit concerned when all that stuff comes out mm-hmm. so I think as a club as a chief executive I think we've been let down for a number of years uh, you could take this bigger and look at the performances in Europe compared to other similar teams your Ajaxes and your Benficas and all this kind of stuff and it's been shocking mm-hmm. absolutely shocking anyway that's a bigger thing <laughs> what was the question? <laughs>
5: Jim, it doesn't matter what the question is. What you've said there is what a huge amount of Celtic fans are feeling. Um, and thanks for bringing all that out because you you mentioned a few things there that we'll pick up on. You're talking about engagement, and I was critical last week it was or the beginning of this week, uh, of the engagement of the club towards us, the supporters, and um, because what's like like,
6: what's your what's your expectations?
5: Well, I, th- I think that communication is key and I'm looking for leadership, Jim. Um, and I'm not seeing any leadership. I mean, you get a, a carefully worded a statement of a couple of hundred words, which basically said nothing. It came out from Peter Lowell and it was prompted obviously by the scenes after the Ross County game. You then they then think that engaging with the fans is putting Scott Brown in front of a camera with, with prepared questions being fired at him, whereby he's obviously going to sing off the same hymn sheet. He's, they're, they're preparing uh, Scott Brown for that, and that's not what we're looking for either, because it just reeks. It just reeks, and they're telling us that we are entitled. And I just think the club actually is behaving more entitled because they think they're entitled to our money. Like you say, they're entitled to our support, uh, which they always get, but they're entitled to that support without any form of criticism. That's never going to happen.
6: I think your expectations are too high, basically. Because Celtic are a public limited company. They're no different to Amazon or Morrison's or Sainsbury's. They just want your money because they've got shareholders there. That's That's why they're there. That's the whole point. And you talked about, I heard you the Two or three days ago, talking about you know, you know, a feeling of you're not connected to the club, or that you're disconnected. Exactly, because I don't think there's any, been any connection to Celtic for a number of years, because as I said, it's a public limited company, and the players that are playing are all multi-millionaires. So there's mm-hmm. never any. There's, there's, there's no. You have to go back to the maybe the eighties, certainly the seventies, lot of the sixties as well, where the players lived in the next street to you. They drank in the same pubs. The kids went to the same school actually. There was a there was a there was a connection there. Even the guys mm-hmm. on the board would do the same thing. But what we've got now is a public limited company, and the whole point of a public limited company is to make money for their shareholders. And that's what we do. And that's why we get the Christmas jumper emails out today when we've been embarrassed last night. Another embarrassing performance. But I tell you what, you can get this range of Christmas jumpers that are really, really good. You know, get in there, guys, get those Christmas jumpers for all the family, not just you, Paul John Dykes. <laughs> You, the wife, and, and, your, and your daughter, and your son, you get in there because it's for all the family. You show your support to Celtic. And as I said, it said at the top, the Celtic store, where supporters support. That's the tagline. And you're thinking, what? That's the tagline. Where supporters support. Buy pyjamas. Right? Mm. It's no different to Amazon. No different at all. No, you you're right. To to you, so, and it'll be same things like, you bought this last time, why not buy this DVD? Or why this by this Celtic tanker? So it depends on your expectations. My expectations are really, really low, and they meet my expectations. If yours are high, you'll be disappointed.
5: Well, I'm disappointed, Jim. But I think what you're saying is is totally accurate, and that's the way that we are treated by these multi-millionaires who are on the board as well um, before we go into any of the comments Jim there is a request for you from Stephen Kenneth coming through on YouTube, if playwright Jim plans to bring the story of the decade to the stage could he use creative licence and paint a different ending, our current trajectory equates to a miserable night at the theatre come on, tell, tell us a better ending Jim uh, well, what's well, going to well, happen well, in the next couple of weeks that's going to make a better ending for Celtic
6: well, I've said at the start, the manager has to go. Uh, on the kind of play stuff, there's a bit <clears throat> at the end of brought back, which 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 refers to winning the 10. So I think i might to to have a wee look at that again. And then the next play, Benderly-Bertie, refers to the 10 again. So a wee bit of a rewrite having to, having to come. The only thing that can change it is a change of manager at this point in time. It has to be. I'll give the place a boost. Uh, and even if it's John Kennedy, for now, it's what you have to do. I can understand that uh, that the new manager might not be ready just now. That's totally understandable. And even with the best ball in the world, you might not be able to expect somebody to come in straight away. There might be issues in trying to get the guy away from his... If he's he's in work just now, to try and get him away from his, his current employer. If he's not in work just now, and you mentioned some names last week, why aren't we going after these guys as well? So we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. What we do know is that we're not very confident about a game against St. Johnson at home Mm -hmm. Sunday. And if you say that a few times, you know, you're thinking, what, 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 sorry, St. Johnson? And they're the form team. If you put the two teams together, they're the form team. Mm
5: -hmm.
6: You know, uh, just shocking. Shocking.
5: You mentioned John Kennedy. You also mentioned, Jim, other candidates, other possibilities. And the situation we're currently in, you know, that what happens is every manager's got their representative and representatives will be contacting Celtic at this point because, you know, we are dealing in the modern game. So they're looking at the situation at Celtic thinking there may well be a position at that club very soon. So there are plenty of people letting Celtic know of their availability. Now, John Kennedy was one of the names you mentioned and I can see the scenario. I can can actually see it playing out whereby John Kennedy's there um, and I don't think John Kennedy, and, and by the way, before I'm going to qualify this, I don't know what happens behind the gates of Lennox Town. I can only go by what I see. Now, people may say I'm reading his body language wrong, and that's fine, and I'll take that. But one thing John Kennedy certainly isn't doing, and nobody can argue with this, is no supporting Lenny after games, whereby he's certainly not ever taken the flack. He's never taken the heat off of Lenny. He's never speaking to the press. He's never speaking to the press so that he can get a message out to the fans. And if I had a number two, if I had an assistant and that that was a proper team and we all wanted the same thing, I would expect at some point over the last couple of weeks or months that John Kennedy would realise that Neil Lennon's really struggling and he would say, you know what, Lenny? I'm going to speak to the press tonight. You just stay in here. And I've never seen any of that. And for I think that's we'll, because he is the manager in waiting. In his mind, he's the manager in waiting. He wants Lenny to move aside so he can take front and centre.
6: Of course, and that's perfectly understandable. I mean, what you said a second ago there is that for all we know, and that's what I said last week, we don't know what goes on behind the scenes. And for all we know, John John Kennedy has offered to do that. And maybe New and said, just beat up, stay out of this. And from what we can gather, again, because we're all language, we're all experts in body language these days, that it, 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 it does appear as if they don't get on it does appear uh, uh, that maybe John Kennedy is the manager and waiting in his mind if he has been there that long and you're served under all those managers and as I think I might have said last week obviously the chief executive must like him as I heard last week the previous manager was talking about taking him down to Leicester with him so he must rate him and he was in the frame for the Hibs job and uh, Damien Duff was on record as saying he thought he was a really good coach. So, these are people in the know. I'm not. I'm not in the know. I'm just the guy who paid the £600. So, I don't I don't know. But these guys are saying maybe there's something there. And he's obviously been there for a while. And he's not going to stay there for a while unless he's thinking, I might I might. I might get a chance at some point with this. And maybe he thought he was going to get his chance when the last manager left. Uh, when Neil Lennon got the job, sorry, when the, manager, the current manager got the job, he should have insisted, I want my own guys. He didn't do that. So I don't think you can have a lot of sympathy with the manager because he took the job on under those conditions.
7: Mm-hmm.
6: And if that's what you do, that's what you do. So you'll never die by what you decided to do at the time. And I know we hear all these stories about who's buying the players, etc., etc. If you signed up under those conditions, I don't think you, never, you can expect a lot of sympathy. And if your results and the performances have been as dire since they've been since the start of the season, it's not personal. It's not emotional. It's not subjective. It's objective. It's not good enough. It has to go. Oh,
5: mm-hmm. well, you're right.
6: I think. I think. If, if and if he goes, what happens next? You have to give it to the guy who's still there, right? As opposed to bringing someone else in. You have to say you're the guy that's still there for now so you take the team and what's to say uh, if he did take the team all of a sudden they want this this really good run and one of the game up to Ibrox he goes to Ibrox and wins at Ibrox what's What's that harmed?
5: Then we're all wrong we're all wrong. And, and the problem is, when you look at the ruthlessness of that Rangers side at the moment, and I'm not here to sing the praises of another team, but let's be totally frank about it. They're ruthless this season, Jim, right? And yeah. they're in the form, and it was you that pointed it out to me a few weeks back, they're in the form, if you're looking at points per game average, that Celtic were in when we won the Invincible Treble. Now, that doesn't look as though that's going to change anytime soon. Um But, Uh, similarly, it doesn't look as though Celtic's form is going to change. So, yeah, I would love that set of results to happen the way you've just described it. And I would love to be proven wrong. And I think everybody I've spoken to is the same. I I think the the issues at the club at the moment are much deeper. I mean, we opened the show talking about some of these issues, Jim, and you're spot on. And I think what I'm trying to do is, right, we need to win the league this season. We absolutely do. So let's have a look at that as a short-term, situation and then we can maybe deal, because I don't think there's going to be any movements above the head of Neil Lennon and, and the coaching staff at this time, I think maybe when we regroup in the summer that's something that we can, um, we can look at but we need to sort out the playing side of it and I think at the moment here's the thing, have you ever considered Jim that the only two people that the board can go to at the moment, because I don't think they're very creative thinkers, have been Martin O'Neill and Gordon Strachan. Now, their names have come up several times, and again, rumours. Martin O'Neill came out and defended uh, Neil Lennon just the other week there, saying that you can blame COVID, you can blame ball and goalie, but don't blame Neil Lennon. Again, yeah, I totally disagree with Martin O'Neill as much as I respect him. Now, let's remember the age of Martin O'Neill, where he is in terms of his age, right? Had anybody had any foresight, they might have considered Martin O'Neill in a different role a lot earlier than now to assist Neil Lennon. O'Neill has always been Neil Lennon's mentor. He speaks about it in his autobiography. He's spoken about it several times in interviews since then. He would have been ideal as a support mechanism for Neil Lennon a year ago, 18 months ago, May 2019. Not now. He's not going to come in and save this sinking ship now. Because Martin O'Neill's th- final hurrah, I believe, in management was with, with with Ireland. Now, he then had a short spell with Nottingham Forest and it didn't work out well. It seems like he's the only guy in football that's willing to employ Roy Keane. So the only way you're going to get Keane is if O'Neill comes in. But I don't think for a second O'Neill, if he's been offered the job or if it's even been pitched to him, would consider it due to his relationship with Neil Lennon. And actually, when you think about it, Jim, Gordon Strachan was the man that gave Neil Lennon his opportunity as a coach at Celtic. And I don't think Gordon Strachan would take the job either. And I'm basing that on the question was asked in January by myself to Gordon Strachan about management. And he said at that time, he doesn't want, at his age... He doesn't want to deal with the politics of dealing with a football board any longer. So can you imagine saying that and really believing it and then joining Celtic? But I don't think he would do it as with a sense of loyalty towards Neil Lennon. But then flip it, because we're talking about Neil Lennon um, accepting the situation as it was with John Lennon as number two. And you're right, he's got to take responsibility for that if it hasn't worked, because he accepted it. I'm now thinking about Gavin Strachan because Gordon Strachan of course gives Neil Lennon his opportunity as a coach and it looks to me as though the appointment may not have been identified um, or pitched by Neil Lennon but it's certainly been run past Neil Lennon and I think that Neil Lennon has had a sympathy towards Gavin Strachan and for me it's a job for the boys and it's been the wrong choice so Neil Lennon's in a situation now that he can't change he's got his coaching staff he's going to have to stick with them but if there's a change for me, somebody has to manage the team. Of course they do, Jim. But I think the issue is with the the whole coaching side, not just Lenny. But that that's my view on it, and I think that's why, I, you know, a change hasn't been made yet. I think the only options they've considered are Martin O'Neill and Gordon Strachan, and both of them wouldn't take the job.
6: Mm-hmm. You said John Lennon, hang that
5: boat to sail. Uh, did I did I mention the the, the real legend, uh, John Lennon, cool. right?
6: That was, was out-of-the-box thinking there. That was pretty good. Uh, my theory is that if we go of the manager just now and he goes to John Kennedy, for and down on an interim basis, I would have brought in Gordon Sharkin to help him out, to be a sounding board for him, not to manage the club. but he used to be there to kind of keep him right over a short period of time. Not for John Kennedy to the job on a permanent basis, but if he had Gordon Shracken at his side, that he could, you know, Used to sound things off, that may be quite a helpful thing over a very short period of time. I'm not saying that's the kind of long term solution. I think the club have looked at other people, and I think they've kind of said, "Thanks, but no thanks." Who would want to come to Scotland? Because you know we've talked about these people like Rafa Benitez and Pochettino and all that stuff. To me, that's just fantasy stuff because these are in demand. These are these are top of the range. I think marquee was the was the term you used. These are marquee managers it yeah, the same as saying we're going to try and sign somebody like uh, Marcus Rashford or Harry Kane. Some, uh, you know, these are these are the top top managers. Why would they entertain coming to the Scottish League, which is not very good, taking over a team like Celtic, who have been trounced at the moment by the team across the city, having to try and make up a five point deficit for a few months? That's not, you know, something I, I can see these elite managers wanting to do. So we're not going to get somebody of that kind of level. But you know what? The Ross County manager would do me at this point in time because he can set his team up. He's got a structure. He's got a plan. He gets his team to play an enthusiastic, aggressive way for his team. Mm -hmm. There you go. There's a name that's got no chance, obviously, but would he be any worse than what we've got just now? I don't think so. And after Ross County last Sunday, you know, you can bring in anyone you want has to be better than what we've got just now. And why the Chief Executive can't see that is way, way beyond me. And to answer the point I think they're making about Martin Aal and Gordon Strachan, if that's the extent of the thinking, again, I think we've been let down. You know, Again, my expectations are not up up there, they're down here somewhere. And if we get Gordon Strachan and Martin Aal, they've met my expectations, because I really don't think they know what they're doing. I think it's been dead easy at Celtic. If you're a Chief Executive of Celtic For the last How many years has it been Is it 16 years Or 17 years Or something like that Yeah he's
5: in his 18th year yeah.
6: So And also again To be absolutely fair about this I don't know what he does Behind the scenes So it's hard to criticise someone But I've heard things like Well he brings in Lots of sponsorships Say Well if you're the biggest team In Scotland And you're playing in Europe And you're on TV Every two minutes And in the papers Then sponsors will be Banging your door down to give you sponsorship.
7: Mm-hmm. So
6: how much of an achievement is that? Try so being the chief executive of Hamilton Akies or Motherwell or something like that and getting big deals in. There's a challenge. But if you the chief executive of, of Celtic and getting sponsorship deals, I'd imagine that's not particularly hard. And for a lot of the nine, the last nine seasons, you know, it's been a, it's, it's been a you know straightforward victories. You know, so where's the achievement in that? I don't see it. For three and a half million pounds a year. For a company in Celtic, I know a big company. They only turned over is eighty three million pound last year, and we gave out nearly what's that? Nearly four percent to the chief executive, seventy mm-hmm. grand a week. What's that? Two three times the highest paid player last year. Mm-hmm. Madness! Just total utter madness. What can we <laughs> have got for that seventy grand a week? you are not two or three players.
5: No, absolutely, and, and we're oh. moving on to that okay. subject now, Jim.
6: Where's the logic in this? Where's the strategy? Mm. in this. Uh, we've had board members having to go at the fans in the past two or three years. Yeah. Where's the logic in that? Where's the logic in, in biting the hand that feeds? All we had was the ten. And this has been gaining momentum since maybe three or four in a row, because 10's in sight, with no opposition. it was it was it was a cakewalk to that to that ten. But then maybe what, two seasons ago all of a sudden there's a challenge. Mm-hmm. and there should have been a challenge Now there's a bigger challenge and I don't actually mind, I mean I like to think I'm quite an objective person if we were playing really well and we were putting points on the board playing good, attractive football and dropping the odd point and the team across the city continued to play the way they were been playing and they won the league with us playing really well, I would say well done you know well done, because we tried the best we could and you were just a wee bit better. Fair play to you, hats off, right? But we're not doing that. We're just giving it, we're just giving up at this point in time. Number of people that have said a few weeks ago, that's the league finished. You know, we've not finished yet. Number of people that said last week after the Sparta nonsense that we shouldn't play the game last night, right? We should just give them the points. <laughs> what kind of talk is that? You know, it's a game of football. Just give them the points. We shouldn't bother bothered to up. We'll take a female defeat. That's the way fans are talking. That's that's the mindset of the fans because of what's happened between August and now. And the chief executive can't see that. I, I, I'm i just stunned at why there's no change and there's no understanding of that. I mean, I don't expect anyone within the club, And you talked about the Scott Brown interview as if he's been held hostage sort of thing. You know, don't do that. Because you're, you're just just looking silly. Just look. Don't say anything. If you've nothing good to say, don't say anything. If you want to say something, then be a wee bit a wee bit honest. We're not asking you to cannot say that. You know, all the things that are not going well behind the scenes. Be honest. We're struggling. We should be playing better. We mm-hmm. know we should be playing better. We have to be playing better. You guys have you know dug deep in this really difficult time. We will try our very best. It's not working out for us. For us but rest assured, we can do what we can to do this. It's unacceptable. Where we are just now is totally unacceptable. Uh, you know, I'm just astonished we are where we are and how quickly we managed to get there. There's mm. various points in the past four to it. other Celtic fans have, have been at that point that these want to tip. Rid of them, rid of them. And I've kind of felt no, 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 but Hib's not for me. And after that, this is all in the Chief Executive to me. I feel sorry for the manager. I really feel sorry for the manager because I think he's doing an impossible job now. Probably, no, he is. He is, Jim. And, and, and there would be nothing better to, to see Neil Lennon, and I'll mention by name, actually winning that league and standing there in May, holding the league trophy, mm-hmm. having completed the 10. Nothing would, uh, would, be, would, be, would be better than that. That'd be absolutely brilliant. But you have to be objective about this thing and you have to look at exactly where we are and what's happened so far and a decision has to be made and that's why someone's getting paid 3.5 million pounds to do and mm-hmm. the decisions are getting made and we're just as i said we are fearful of st johnson at home on sunday and across the city they must be laughing their heads off at this because we've had the last number of years where there's been all this banter year stuff and, and just the last maybe what two or three weeks unbelievable in terms of results in terms of what's coming out of the club you know that's what almost
5: like the kind of last eight years in three or four weeks. <laughs> it, has yeah, been, yeah. it has been an omni-shambles, Jim. But omni-shambles. listen, I, I'm looking back um, to a time, and it is relevant, I'm looking back to a time where you felt it necessary to gather together fans of Celtic Football Club because you were concerned at the way the club was being run, mismanaged at the very, very top. Obviously, that was a long time ago now, Jim. And certain groups of fans have made their feelings known. You then go into social media now. You then have broadcasts like the Axon Bulletin and others where people discuss the matter and you get a sense across the board that there's a huge amount of Celtic fans thinking the same way at the moment. In this day and age, how do you get that message across? Because Celtic fans have been called entitled, you know, behaving as though we're entitled. I think the Celtic board are behaving as though they're entitled. They're entitled to our constant influx of cash I mean you mentioned the email there, I was preparing for the broadcast, I've not been in my, my Gmail, but they're, they're sending us a, an email after a humbling 4-2 defeat, uh, once again in the Europa League to tell us to buy a polar bear jumper seriously, I mean how do we actually engage with this current board I know you knew how to engage with the the, the board back in the 90s but it's changed days now
6: You don't engage, you said the word cash, that's the ones. I mean if you go back to the the early nineties. And basically, you know, from we did a podcast or I did a podcast maybe two, two and a half years ago mm-hmm. or so into some of the details behind it. I don't want to bore people just now with that stuff. But basically back in the day when the old board, the Kellys and the Whites ran the club, and people were kind of putting up banners and making lots of noises. And phoning phone-ins, because back in the day, phone-ins were the only way that people could maybe make their voice heard. or write to the papers and all this kind of stuff. And the point we were making at the time was, you can shout as much as you want, you can make as many much, as much banners as you want, but see if you call along every Saturday and you hand over your money to the Whites and the Kellys, what incentive do they have to leave? None. So unless you stop doing that, nothing will change. And what we did at the time, there was, there was five of us formed a committee, called ourselves Save Yourselves, and, what you have, and we thought long and hard about this because what we did at the start was we went to Celtic Park in a freezing cold winter's game again. I think it was hearts or something. And they were rubbish as usual when we drew one each night that day. And we had a a leaflets and we set up a PO box number. And this was at the time Rangers had won their second of their nine in a row. You know, so it wasn't if they won seven or eight in a row. they won two in a row. But the board were a complete shambles didn't know what they, what they were doing. They brought a guy called Brian Dempsey onto the board and then sacked him from the board. And that was the kind of catalyst for saying, these guys don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So we took up our PO box and we said to fans on this, on this leaflet, if you're not happy, get in contact with us and we'll see what we can do next. So we stand there in the freezing cold, handing out leaflets. For every second person that it it, it, it came past, it was like, F off you. F off. What are you doing? Support the team. Every second person. So not everyone shares your views. So you have to accept everyone doesn't share your views. But what came on from that is we then had about three or 400 people who could get back to us. We then organised uh, a meeting in Shelton Town Halls and we got Brian Dempsey to come along and Jim Craig and a few other people. And we only invited the people who would get back to us and then we were accused of all sorts of stuff. It's only those and such as those that can come along. And the reason that we did that is we had to know who was coming. Or I had to know who was coming because it was my name on the lease or on the hire of the thing, and it shows you how naive I was at the time. I'm saying to the the, the council, why does it have to be my name? Cannot be save yourselves? And I said, no, we need a name because anything happens, you're to blame. We're going to come look for you. So all of a sudden, we will get three or four hundred Celtic fans come along, and I'm thinking, if this kicks off in some way, I'm to blame. I'm hate for this, and that's my point about what happened last Sunday. Nobody was hit for that. You have to control these kind of things. And we were on this committee, and there was three of us were season ticket holders at the time. And there was only about 6,000 season ticket holders back in 1990. And because the media were actually very sympathetic to this cause about trying to save Celtic, whenever we said something, it went straight into the papers. So three of us said, uh, we're not going to renew our season tickets next season. This was like, some, like say, the January so you bought your season ticket. So even if you didn't go to the games, it would have no effect. And we said, what you can't do, can't do as a Celtic fan, is ask other Celtic fans to do stuff. With what you're doing, all you can do is say, I'm going to do this. And if people want to do the same thing, then fair play. There's only three of us given up our season tickets. So it's a pebble in the ocean. But that made the news. It's the Save it Ourselves Committee have said, we're not renewing our season tickets next year. And I then stopped going to the games. And it got worse. And you knew it would get worse because what we said is this is going to have to get a lot worse before it gets a lot better. Mm -hmm. And that was early 1991 then at that point in time. And Fergus came early 1994 when things got to the lowest level. How did they get to there? What gave Fergus the opportunity for coming in? People stopped going to the games. There was a famous game against Kilmarnock and all the sales for Change stuff, where there was less than 10,000. And the bank were owed, I think it was about 3 or 4 million at the time, which doesn't seem a lot of money now, but back then it was a fortune. Mm-hmm. And the Celtic board, the Kellys and the Whites weren't, you know, didn't have a lot of money. You know, this was shares that they inherited from their families. They saw it as their club. They didn't have 3 or 4 million pounds. They didn't have the money to address the issue that we needed in all seater Stadium. <laughs> So they were, they were thinking because of money. And the bank were going to wind them up because the bank were owed money. And if I was the bank, I'd have been saying the same thing. You owe us £4 million. Sell Paul McStay. Sell John Collins. Sell Pat Bonner. We want the money. We didn't do that. Fergus came in and Fergus saved the club. And everything that's happened since then, you know, is down to Fergus McCann. The stadium, how well the team have done, the nine in a row, that's all down to Fergus McCann. The question you're posing is how do you change it? You change it by money. You just don't go. And at the moment, in terms of next season, because of what's happened in the last two or three weeks, I'm, I'm kind of 50-50 on next year. I may not buy a season ticket, but still go to the games. But I would cause some damage if I don't... I mean, if people like me didn't buy a season ticket. Mm-hmm. I just chose the games I went to. So if it was a cold Wednesday night against Hamilton Arkeys and in the middle of winter, mm, I'm really not fancy going to that game tonight. And because actually things have changed since 1990, in the 30 years since 1990, I can actually, as I'm doing just now, I can flick a button and watch a game. Yep. You know, there's all these internet streams that you can you can, you can can dive into, you know. So I didn't have to pay my £600 this year. And the chances are, I could have still seen most of these games, you know, without paying a penny. Okay, mm-hmm. now you and all this kind of stuff but I paid the £600. Am I so willing to do that next year? No. Not because of what's happened over the last few weeks. And it's nothing to do with being, uh, having some sense of being entitled. That's not what it's about at all. It's about being objective, and it's about the people making the right decisions. So Neil Lennon was fantastic. The manager was fantastic last season. Won the league, won the league cup, due to the semi final Scottish cup, won the Europa League group. Unbelievably good brilliant. We get to July and we've said this in previous podcasts we spend the guts of £13 million we bring in six players most of them are on big wages, they're coming from the EPL they're coming from Serie A we're all set up, we don't lose any players, we're all set up brilliant. You know, I can't say anything bad about that at all now we can maybe think about whether we bought the right players <laughs> you know, uh, but that's a different argument that's a different story, but the man's done, done, done what he's done it's not worked out that had to change, and it's not changed. And I'm annoyed about that. Scunner, that's the first word I use when I on. I'm scunner that that hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. It's not just me. So that will kind of influence my decision going forward into next year. I mentioned the fact about I took last year's refund, and I'm happy to give that to the Resolution 12 guys for doing something. I'm expecting a refund this year. Yeah, And that might harm the club financially, but that's not my problem. Not my problem at all. Because what you said earlier, Paul, was you know, I think your expectations, I think your expectations are, 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 are high. I have, a, I have a very simple expectation with this one. You're not asking me to pay £600 to watch 20 games on a stream, are you? Are you really saying that? Because what's, what's Sky Sports, what's, what's that these days? 20 quid a month or something? You know, unlimited football for 20 quid a month? What's that a year? £240 to put on a pound? And I'm paying 600 don't think so. I'm expecting something back.
7: Mm-hmm.
6: Yeah. I'm expecting some news. I'm expecting something, not the Christmas jumper thing. I'm expecting. as well, we, Jim. We appreciate what you've done with your six hundred quid, and this is who we're ever going to play next. And if they want to give me money off next year, then fair enough, do that. Right. But what they've lost, and again getting back to the kind of lack of thinking that I see there, is that because all the games are going to be on the internet this year, they couldn't put the games on pay per view. Because the season ticket holders like you and I and our 54,000 pals would have went mental. They went bonkers. Mm-hmm. And they were going to charge them 30 quid. Because that's what we're paying for each game. And they were never going to charge them 30 quid. So they've lost an opportunity there to have made a lot of money because they haven't thought it through. I find it bonkers. And then when you're looking at actually what people like with the UK pay for Celtic TV, it's really, really cheap. Yeah. Really, really cheap. of the games, they get every single game I think how much is that? Is it is it one hundred and eighty pound or two hundred pound?
5: It's peanuts, yeah.
6: It's, peanuts. it's home and away, all season for less than two hundred pound, and we're paying six hundred pound for what we're getting just now. It's unacceptable. But as I said, I'm expecting to see something, and the only thing that will change anything in life, not just football, is money, because everything comes down to the pound notes at the end of the day. You won't change it by banners, and you won't change it by shouting and bawling at people, and and your cause is lessened if kind of stuff happens during those protests. Yeah. And all the, the club will do or the company will do is use that to deflect into something else. That was the story of last Sunday. It wasn't the complete and utter 90 minutes shambolic performance of the team. It was somebody threw a barrier. That was the story of last week. Somebody threw a barrier. There you go. There's your expectations.
5: Now, Jim, you've spoken a hell of a lot of sense over the last 50-odd minutes, and I think a lot of Celtic fans will appreciate this because sometimes it's difficult. Well, you know... I always think he speaks sense, Jim. Uh, Paul Cockwell dips in and out almost on a daily basis on the Bulletin. He's a Hibs fan. Um, If you look at the players Celtic have, it's a team and a half, just not playing as a team. That's why they need a new manager. It's interesting sometimes to get the perspectives, Jim, of fans of other clubs looking into the situation at Celtic. And that's why I think people like Paul are are great to come into the, the Axon Bulletin. That leads me on to my final question today. I, I actually do believe we've got a very, very handy squad. I mean, like you say, we keep the, the, the top players from last season. Other than Fraser Foster, we keep the top players. I mean, we, we obviously let Johnny Hayes go. Is, lack Laxalt an upgrade on Johnny Hayes? I would say he is. Have we had an upgrade on Simunovic? I would say probably not. Um, but over the piece, we've kept the team together and we have so, you know, apparently strengthened it. And I do think that a changing manager could work with what we've got and there might be a few additions in January and that actually could weather the storm for this season on an interim basis. Um, if they do get to that situation, Jim, and you've spoken about some of the kind of high profile marquee managers because we don't call them elite managers anymore. Because, you know, you actually did change my way of thinking about what is an elite manager. And I don't actually think Brendan Rogers was an elite manager when we appointed him back in uh, 2017. It seems like, was it 2016? Um, I don't think he was a, an elite manager back then either. Um, so where do we go from here? The last two appointments we've made have been unemployed managers. Brendan Rogers and Neil Lennon. Uh, you've spoken about maybe going into the market of someone who is attached to a club. Then there's a compensation package. You also said, how you were talking about the how attractive is the job. Well, I think Neil Lennon's on a pretty good salary, particularly for a manager in the same kind of vein as Bren Rogers, who's looking at Celtic as a stepping stone back into the English game. And there's plenty of those managers about. Um, or do we go for someone who is attached? Some of the names we've seen mentioned are... Uh, Rafa Benitez, as you say, Alex Neil, Jack Ross has started being mentioned uh, Paul won't want him to leave Hibs. So, where do we go from here? That, that is a million dollar question
6: When we said we appointed Neil Lennon, the comment that the Chief Executive said that we had other applications and we didn't look at them Now, if that was true that's a pretty shocking thing to say, because words are very important, you know that as an author words are very important we don't use words if you don't actually mean them. We had people applying for the job and we didn't look at them. Shocking. Any job that anyone applies for, you're looking for the, the most qualified to do the job. And as long as we get someone in who's qualified to do the job, I don't have an issue. I don't have an issue at all. And there'll be some evidence as to why, what that person has done before. And uh, one assumes that the board will know uh, the types of qualities and the types of qualifications they're looking for, and as long as that person fulfils that criteria, then that's fine. As long as they open up the envelopes this time and actually look at them, that would be a start. That would be a start. And I don't have an issue with an Alex Neal or a Jack Lewis if, on paper, they look as if they could do the job. Now, I'm always I'm I'm always concerned about a manager who's managed one team because you could just be lucky. The one team. But somebody's maybe managed two or three teams and has got a track record of bringing on maybe young players and doing well in the transfer market. It'll be all the usual stuff. I, mean, I don't know any more than anyone else with this kind of stuff. But there'll be set things that you think as long as he ticks those boxes, mm-hmm. then we'll get the guy in. It won't be a marquee sign in. Uh, just to clarify a point, I think I made I tried to make it there, is that the Celtic job is, is, is a huge job. And people would, would, would love to do the Celtic job, just not the marquee sign, and not, just not the marquee guys. They're not coming. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're not coming, basically. But it's an attractive job. You mentioned a few names last week, mentioned a few names this week. Uh, if they have got the qualities to do the job, that's fine, because anything is better than what we've got just now. And that's why, and, and of myself again, is that I would just take the manager out just now give it to the assistant manager, get the you guy in. Whether that's in two weeks or in two months, I think that's a better option than just leaving things the way they are. Because for all we know, and I said this last week, for all we know, the players quite like John Kennedy. For all we know, maybe they might play better on John Kennedy. can he play any worse. Mm-hmm. And that's my point. And I think Sunday, as I said, I can't believe that we're talking about Sunday in the terms that we're talking about Sunday, St. Johnson. If we're going yeah. up to Patojozzi, be thinking mm, this is a big one you know anything could happen we're playing St Johnson at home this is this is where we've got to so quickly you know now people have said we've had these chats and weeks gone by the performances have been abject that we've been putting the points on the board and I suppose this has been coming you know and I don't know if you listen to the other podcasts what's the, the Celtic analytical podcast when they do all the kind of stats the,
5: the huddle the huddle breakdown
6: huddle breakdown yeah Listen to that. If any of your viewers haven't listened to that, listen to that. And they they point out in very, very detailed terms exactly what's going wrong this season. One of the guys who's on that was saying back in August, this is going to go pear-shaped and here's why. And it's a fascinating listen to what the guy was saying. He was saying things like, "Uh, couldn't understand why we signed Shane Duffy because he's not the player we need, we need a different type of player. Mm -hmm. And lots of other really, really good stuff. And this guy's pointing this out in August and they analyse every game after it's happened. And they were saying things like, you know, even simple things, the, the, the really, really detailed stuff that we're doing, but there are things like, you know, the expected number of goals you would expect this year compared to last year, given the possessions. Mm. It's something like 20% down than what it was last year. The expected goal from the teams we playing is 20% up. And all the stats that they were saying showed the exact same thing. You know, fascinating stuff. Eh, but But it's there. And one assumes somebody at Celtic Park, they're doing that kind of thing as well. And trying to identify the problem, because the first thing you need to do is admit there's some sort of problem there, and how do you fix the problem? But what we're actually seeing is nobody's admitting that there actually is a problem there. I'll tell you what, look at the Champions League, we're out, problem. Look at the Europa, out, problem. Look at the League Cup, out, problem. Look at where we are in the league, hmm. There's a problem there. And people are paid £3.5 million to solve problems. They're not
5: getting solved They're not getting solved Jim But you mentioned the huddle breakdown And that is one of the podcasts that's coming together With a Celtic state of mind For our quadruple treble charity weekend They're On the 19th and 20th of December uh, the last count I think we had 18 shows confirmed um, So it shows you how the Celtic fan base Can come together to raise funds So we're going to have back to back 12 hour broadcasts both on Saturday and Sunday 24 hours of free content and all we ask is if you can if you're able to throw in a couple of quid into the the fundraiser then you'll see the actual link uh, at the bottom of this video, wherever you're watching it, on YouTube, uh, Facebook and also on Twitter. We will be raising funds for Rock Talk, uh, who assist people in the area with mental health issues. We're also looking to to try uh, and assist those who are blighted by homelessness by giving money to H4TH, Help for the Homeless. Food Facts and Friends will be supporting us with our food bank drive and vulnerable kids at Christmas will be looked after with i children first, so a great initiative that a lot of Celtic fans are getting involved with Jim and I look forward to that weekend and hopefully it will be a quadruple treble weekend, we need um, something to celebrate uh, what's going to happen between now and then will Neil Lennon still be in charge, we'll be following it every step of the way everybody who's been in touch with us today, thank you so much for getting involved I didn't get to as many of the comments as uh, I would normally like but Jim Orr was making so many great points during the broadcast, I've got to Thank you once again, Jim Moore, for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind.
6: Cheers, Paul.